Hello, all you beautiful atomic mamas out there and dads. It's Ellie Noss, uh, not Krauss, not Canis. Well, maybe Canals. That's what my grandparents said. Actually, my grandfather in kindergarten was told by his teacher, you don't say knife, you say knife. So your last name isn't Canals, it's Noss. So anyway, it's Ellie Noss here with Atomic Moms. So happy you all are joining us today. It has been a wild wild few weeks. Uh, Bianca's just spent a week in New York. Uh, Luckily, Undateable, the NBC show that she stars on and that my husband created, it got picked up for a third season and it's going to be all live episodes. So they are, we just went to New York. I was just in Miami, which was a blast. I have a little part in Alvin and the Chipmunks. Road Chip, not trip, but Road Chip is coming out this holiday season. And I'm lucky enough to play Tony Hale's uh, fiance. You know him from Veep and Arrested Development. He uh, won an Emmy Award a couple years ago. He's so insanely talented. And he has a children's book called Archibald's Next Big Thing. And this darling book is all about appreciating the thing you're in right now. Because Archibald's always searching for the next big thing. And so he's missing out on all the amazing stuff that's happening in the moment. And uh, I shot with Tony in Atlanta a couple months ago. And then when I just saw him in Miami, he was like, how's the podcast going? So he lives in my neighborhood and I'm definitely going to bother him until he's a guest on our show. So in this scene in Miami that I just shot, I'm in a bikini and it's the first time I've shown my stomach, especially in a huge feature film, (laughs) but it felt great because every day I sweat and it's important to me because of my health issues in the past um, to feel strong and empowered And I thought a lot about what we've discussed on this podcast with Steve Zim, who's a celebrity trainer we had on a while back, and with Angie Green, who we had on more recently, about, you know, taking care of ourselves and owning what we've got. I only had a week's notice, so it it really proved to me that just sort of doing a little something every day is the best way, because otherwise I wouldn't have been prepared. And in that way, I feel good every day. Here's my swimsuit tip. Sweat and hot water and lemon every morning and every night right before you go to bed, a glass of warm water for digestion. But this was just the beginning of my journey because then I went from Miami to my 10-year reunion. But guys, I made a huge mistake. I've said before that if I were my personal assistant, I would fire me. I don't have one, (laughs) but if I were mine, I would definitely fire me because I thought I had booked my flight from Miami to Connecticut so I could go to my reunion in Massachusetts. And it was one of those situations where you click through the whole thing and I was supposed to be watching my daughter. Uh, So yeah, I love, I'm blaming this on the toddler, but I guess the transaction didn't go through. So it was 11 o'clock at night and I'm trying to check in to my flight for the next morning and there is no flight. And so I call my credit card company and they're like, yeah, we don't have any charges. And then I call the airline and they're like, oh, we see a shell of a reservation, but you don't have a ticket and it's sold out. And the next available flight is at 11 p.m. 
Um, if you guys are hearing lapping, that would be our dog Riggs licking water out of the water bowl. Uh, he's very loud. Riggs, I'm doing a podcast. Actually, Sabrina, my one and a half year old, she put her face in the dog bowl, water bowl the other day. And I couldn't scold her or anything because it's like, it makes sense. She sees the dogs do it all day long. Okay, he's finished. He's retreating back upstairs. So I didn't have a ticket. And here's the kicker. So I call my husband and I'm freaking out. And I'm saying, I don't have a ticket to Connecticut. And also I have to be in Connecticut because my return flight to LA is from Connecticut. So I have to get there and there's no way. And my husband's like, do you want the answer or do you just want to keep, or is it impossible? Because I kept saying it's impossible. And I'm like, okay, I want the answer. And he goes, Fort Lauderdale is not much further than the Miami airport. Why don't you look up flights there? I found a flight that was out of Fort Lauderdale through Southwest. It was only $30 more than my original flight would have been. And it was such a big lesson. Like you think that it's impossible. You know, experts tell you, you don't have another choice. It's not going to work out. But then all you have to do is think outside the box because maybe (laughs) there is a Fort Lauderdale And maybe everything will be just fine. So my objective for the week is to look at more Fort Lauderdales. When I come across an obstacle and it seems like there's no way around it, I'm going to look at all the... I'm going to take a deep breath and I'm going to stop saying it's impossible and I'm going to find an alternative. Going to my college reunion was a blast. It was really weird. It, I, I keep having these sort of like crazy existential crises about time and about aging. <laughs> and going to my 10-year reunion really uh, exacerbated it. But it, I went to a women's college in Western Massachusetts. It's called Smith. And all the students seemed to be bringing their little kids. And all the moms were nursing and talking to each other. And it just felt like this bohemian wonderland for mamas. It was really special. And I'm so glad I got to see my old buddies. Today's podcast, uh, we are sharing with you all an episode that I did with Storyworthy, which is a great podcast. You guys all need to check it out. It's with the creator and host is Christine Blackburn. And then her co-host is Hans Finney. And they are very funny, delightful people. And Christine just came out with a book called Storyworthy also. And so each week they ask a guest on who shares a story about a particular topic and then they discuss it. So that's the structure of their podcast. So they said, Ellie, what would you like to talk about? What, what story do you have? So I was like, well, what's a better story than my birth story. So in this uh, episode, I share with them my birth story. It is wacky, zany, funny, sweet. And I didn't expect to feel so vulnerable reading it, but I guess there's nothing more personal than than a birthing story. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. You know, there's a tiny part of yourself that's like, oh, I don't know if I want to share about my natural childbirth or it was a good birth and I don't want people to think that I'm showboating and blah, blah, blah. But I think that moms who have positive experiences with labor, I kind of feel like we have a responsibility in sharing that because if we only ever hear 
about the horrible experiences new mothers are going to think that's and mothers that have had kids are going to think that that's the only way it can be and that's not true i like to think of my birthing experience as a it's kind of a fort lauderdale experience like it's not what you would expect you don't think it's it wasn't a natural birth in a tub at home it was definitely at the hospital but there were a lot of unexpected twists and turns but we made made it through it and we're so happy we did we did it the way we, we were able to so we're excited for y'all to hear that. And next week, Bianca and I will be back together again. Um, so we appreciate you guys sticking through this with us as we've been, uh, it's been crazy, but you guys get that. You're moms. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and start this podcast off with a mom bomb. I've been obsessed with listening to books on tape since Sabrina was born. I listened to The Goldfinch on Audible uh, while walking Sabrina up and down the hills in our neighborhood. I mean, this is like 40 hours of listening, and I got through that. And I find that listening, I mean, like the podcast, listening to books on tape is much easier as a mama. Um, I've also really enjoyed listening to Thrive by Ariana Huffington. And one of my latest listens was uh, the The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And everybody talks about Brene Brown and she's from Houston and where I'm from and she is a shame expert and she is based at University of Houston. And everyone always said, Ellie, you should, you should definitely read her work. Um, I love the idea. She talks about the vulnerability hangover, which I can really relate to, especially with this podcast. Um, but I finally listened to one of her books and it was so good. And it put me in such a better mood every day. Like it was such a good daily practice just to listen to like five or 10 minutes of it. And then I would just see the world in a different way. So here's a good quote from her. Authenticity is a collection of choices that we have to make every day. It's about the choice to show up and be real. The choice to be honest. The choice to let our true selves be seen. And that's really what I'm trying to do here with you guys. So please enjoy my birthing story. All right, you guys, Ellie Noss is here right now. Like we said, she's a writer and an actress. And you know, Hannes, she's actually been a blogger on the Huffington Post. That's a big deal. That's a good deal. She's you, also know, you could say she's birthed blog posts. <laughs> she's also the co-creator and host of the parenting podcast, Atomic Moms, like we said. You've also seen her on Maid of Honor, which is a Sony production, The Rocker by 20th Century Fox, Undateable on NBC, and Happy Endings on ABC. Undateable. That means she is an actress, Hannes. What a working actress. That's what I'm saying. That's crazy. She also has a web series called Chelsea and Kelsey and also Married, Single, Divorced. You can find her on Twitter at Ellie in LA. All right, you guys, wherever you are, put your hands together for Ellie Noss. Hi, guys. Thank you. Um, So I'm going to be sharing all my business. I'm going to be sharing my birthing story that Hannes does not want to hear about, but he's going to have to sit here because it's his job. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to be reading you um, our birthing story. Hunched over my belly, shaving the bikini line I can no longer see, I have a come-to-Jesus moment in the shower. This human is actually going to have to get out of me. 
Of course, I've known this intellectually in the way that we all know we're going to die, but I haven't strategized how exactly I'd like this to go down. Over the next few weeks, I get it stuck in my thick skull that having a natural birth is a good idea. This is stupid for a multitude of reasons. I like pain drugs. I hate discomfort. I take a Vicodin to get a bikini wax, and I take a shower before going to the gym to sweat in air conditioning. I am not exactly an optimal candidate for natural birth, but I'm compelled to try it. People travel the world. They skydive in order to feel alive. Hell, I'll just push out a baby. I'm not opposed to an epidural, but I experienced temporary paralysis a few years ago when I had surgery to remove a massive but benign tumor. And while my baby is also rapidly multiplying cells feeding off of me, I'd like the similarity and experiences to end there. My husband, Adam, and I sign up for a four-week hypnobirthing workshop my OBGYN recommends. It'll finish up a couple weeks before our September 26th due date. This worries me. But everybody swears your first baby comes two weeks late. Our dry cleaner, Bob, swears we'll have an October baby. And then two weeks before my due date, I get an email from my commercial agent. The subject line is Hertz Audition, and my agent writes, They want really pregnant-looking women for Hertz rental cars? Like ready to give birth tomorrow? Ha ha. Can you send me a more recent pic? They decide not to call me in for the audition. I'm giving birth in two and a half weeks. How much closer do you want to get? Thus proving that in Hollywood, you can be exactly what they're asking for, and they're still too stupid to take a look. And I feel so strongly about this, I actually give birth the next day to call their bullshit. <laughs> Around 7 the next morning, I waddle to the restroom. After I wipe, flush, and stand, I feel a trickle down my leg. Did I just piss myself? Or did my water break? I call my doula. For those of you who don't know, a doula assists in the labor process. She's like a hippie baby wingman. She encourages us to go for a walk around the neighborhood to make breakfast and to pack our bags and then to call the doctor. And then she asks, do you have a vibrator? Affirmative, I do have a vibrator. <laughs> Orgasms can bring on contractions. No, 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 not contractions. Hypnobirthers don't have contractions. They have surges or waves. They don't experience pain, but rather pressure. A wave is completely different from a contraction. At any rate, orgasms would summon the waves. I pull out my vibrator, which has been tucked away in the locked drawer in the closet where valuables would be if we had any. We don't have valuables. We have shameables, like my vibrator. <laughs> I plug it in, and then I remember the workman downstairs. I'm having the entire downstairs painted and worked on the guest room so family can stay with us. And when I scheduled workers in my nesting hysteria, I didn't know they'd be two weeks late and the baby would come two weeks early. I get her done. Labor progresses. Waves. And we head for Cedar sinai Hospital. As we drive towards the hospital, my contractions or waves come more regularly. We try to get a hold of our parents, but no one picks up and we don't want to leave voicemails. I also don't want my husband feeling the need to give updates all day. It's just too much performance pressure. Okay. Not to be a critical mother before our child is even born, but she really could have picked a better birthing day. To recap, my water breaks two weeks early. We're in the middle of home construction that's running two weeks behind, and we've only had two birthing classes. But here's the kicker. It's also the anniversary of the worst day in American history. My mother-in-law emails us that evening, having no idea that we are in the throes of labor, exclaiming, thank goodness you didn't have a September 11th Bambino. Thank goodness 
except we did. As we drive down Hollywood Boulevard, I think, you know, the hospital's not going to feed me, and I really run an In-N-Out burger. It turns out that noon is an inconvenient time to be laboring in a drive-thru. The line is long. My contractions quicken. When I'm not writhing in the front seat or stuffing my face with fries, we discuss names. That's right. We still haven't agreed on a name. Just so you get an idea of what I'm working with. Have you ever seen the beginning of the movie Due Date when Robert Downey Jr. shoots down all the baby names his pregnant wife pitches him? My husband wrote that movie. (laughs) Originally, I campaigned for Liberty. But now that her birthday is September 11th, it's two on the nose. Grace is my all-time favorite name, but Adam says it's too popular. I think he probably did something disgraceful things to Grace back in college. Adam campaigns for Sabrina, but whenever he mentions it, people roll their eyes and say, like the teenage witch. While checking in at the front desk, we notice it's pretty quiet. Nobody schedules a C-section on September 11th. (laughs) Once we're situated in the hospital room, the nurse asks to check how dilated I am. But once you put something in me, I'm on the clock because of risk of infection, right? Yes, she says. Okay, we'll hold off. All right, she says nervously. She's cute and young and wears teal blue scrubs and pearl stud earrings and speaks in that people-pleaser voice of a girl who got straight A's and not enough hugs. She reminds me of me. Just let me know, she says, when you'd like to be checked. It makes her nervous not knowing how far along I am. Actually, I really need to go to the bathroom, I say. Oh, okay, like, like, like I feel like I have to take a shit. Okay, okay, because, you know, that can be a sign that you're about to have your baby. Um, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the in and out. <laughs> My contractions have been steady since we checked into the hotel room, but once the doula arrives, it's like the baby knows it's go time and we head for the bathtub. In the tub, I can feel my surges before they come. It's like paddling out on a surfboard. There in the distance is the biggest wave you've ever seen. You sense it coming and you can't escape it. You can't out paddle it. It's too big to surf. You're going to be pummeled. And all you can do is breathe in while you can and let the wave take you. If you're limp and ride it out, tumbling in its violence, trusting that you will eventually reemerge for air and that there will be serenity again, you will make it. If you are rigid and try to fight it, it will beat the shit out of you. I think, sorry, baby, but you are not having any siblings. And I open my eyes and there's a new nurse. She has cropped gray hair. Her name is Dawn. She's kneeling in her scrubs next to the tub. And I imagine her tilling the land on a Wisconsin farm. She's strong and earthy. As I sense another surge coming, I reach out for her hand. She holds it. We haven't spoken a word to each other, but looking into her eyes, I know I'll be okay. And then I get that feeling like I have to take a shit. And the nurse, Dawn, plunges her hand into the water to check how far along I am, and she decides it's go time. The nurses hurry me, slippery and naked, towards the hospital bed. Nurse Dawn situates my husband behind me on the bed. I'm butt naked. He's still in his wet swim trunks from the tub. I've managed to get my pink fuzzy eye mask back on. I don't think I want to see this part. I can hear machines rolling around on the cold floor. I hear feet patter and scrubs swish between legs. One of those scrub swishers is my OBGYN, but I'm wearing my eye mask so I can't see her. Our doula records our birth on my husband's phone. Believe me, this is not a birthing video that would be shown in birthing class. Look at all that hair, the chorus of nurses say. I should have gotten a bikini wax, I think. I was too scared of the pain of a bikini wax, and yet I'm having a natural birth. Whose stupid idea was this anyway? And then I realized they're talking about the baby's hair, not mine. They can see the crown of her head. Relax if it's time, says my doula. No, I keep pushing. I push past the urge to push. I try to force the push. As illustrated by the popped blood vessels in my face the next day, it turns out you can't force a baby out of you. You have to let it happen. 
Why is the universe teaching me again and again that brute force isn't enough? You've got it, Ellie, my doula says. You are so powerful. I hear someone whisper, she's so close. So I push, gasp for air, and then push again and gasp some more. It's been 40 minutes of pushing and I'm not breathing. Nurse Dawn gently raises my chin and puts her hand on my chest for me to breathe into. I breathe in and lean back on my shirtless and bewildered husband and give over all control. I can't be the captain of this ship anymore. I have no choice but to give it up to the gods and give in to the supportive women in scrubs circled around us. And that's when it shifts. I get a second win that has nothing to do with me getting what I want. I can't manipulate or strong arm the situation because I'm not the boss. I'm not the captain of the ship. I'm a vessel for this life inside me. The doula says, she's doing beautiful, Ellie. It's a good time to take off your mask, love. Her head is right there. Put both your hands down for me, Ellie. I I take off my eye mask, but keep my hand clutched to my chest. I don't want to touch my baby until she's really here. If I touch her before she's all the way out, maybe she'll get spooked and burrow back inside me and never come out like Groundhog Day. Now I'd like to take a moment to rewrite history and share that my daughter came into this world and the first sound she heard was her mother giving a peaceful sigh out. I whispered, ah... But my daughter does not enter this world, hearing my, her peaceful mother sigh. She hears her mother's yelp of surprise, a yelp that conveys, ah, it's alive! I gather up the courage to reach down and bring my gorgeous, slippery daughter to my chest. My husband, still sitting behind me on the bed, laughs with relief. He's giddy from lack of oxygen. It's the first time he's breathed in nine hours. The nurses and doctors say she's beautiful. Oh, she's perfect and happy birthday. The very first thing I say is, oh my God, it's over. And then, hi, sweetie, I whisper, I love you so much. Oh, my God, it's over. I love you, baby. You worked so hard, baby. Oh, that really hurt, baby. Here's my perfect little baby who looks nothing like my husband and suspiciously like our handsome contractor. She has a full head of hair, a 1960s mod cut, exactly the same as Audrey Hepburn in the film Sabrina. Shit. My husband wins. We'll name her Sabrina. One of the nurses fills out paperwork with the time of birth. 2100. Really? On the dot, says my doula. Then I say, 9 p.m. So technically, I say as the dumbfounded women stare at me. I'm going to have to spell it out for them. It's September 12th, East Coast time. So couldn't we make her birthday September 12th? The answer is no. My daughter's birthday is September 11th. She picked the day. She already knows what I've had to learn over these several years. We live in a world of opposites where the most terrible and the most wonderful coexist. That's what the human experience is, isn't it? It's painful and joy-filled. It's shitty and it's oh so awesome. was so beautiful. Thank you. Thanks. That's like the perfect way to have a baby. It was wacky. You are so fortunate. I'm so, so fortunate. So lucky. And this is your husband's yeah. first baby. First baby. How wonderful. <laughs> this is like the best story. My image of her husband there is like, you know when they have like a male guest on The View? Yeah. And, and he's, he's surrounded so by women. And they're like, oh my God. And he's just looking back and forth like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Barack Obama, he's like, I don't know what the fuck to say. No, it was so insane. Because yet he was in the bed. 
in did his swim trunks yeah. in the hospital Did anybody bed. give him a shirt or did he? No, he was just, he was did shirtless. Great body? The we girls was, were like, oh, we don't have a shirt for yeah, you, exactly. Mr. Bodybuilder. Yeah, 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 no, exactly. but seriously, he's like in boxer. He's in his he's bathing in suit. He's in his bathing suit and I'm butt naked. <laughs> and we have this amazing photo that I made all the women take. I was like, everyone get, you know, so oh he's behind me in the bed. I'm on the bed with him and then our baby and then all the nurses and my OBGYN and doula yeah. are behind and we take this ridiculous photo, which I probably won't share because it's just, it's so insane. No one at Cedars had seen uh, a birth quite as bizarre as mine. I mean, it was sort of like Swedish torture porn at multiple <laughs> points. Like we have some photos from the doula where I'm like, this is a not, this doesn't look How good. How long were you in yeah. labor? Um, my water broke around 7 a.m. and I had her at 9 p.m. Wow. That's, that's By the way, great. It's, so 14 hours. Yeah. Or 14 it's funny to me that you went to the wonderful. in and out. Because the line in and out is every, all days is so long. You could have been, you could have gone there. You could have conceived the child. You could have gone through nine months and had I the baby know. before you got <laughs> to the window at in and out Burger. It's, it's completely so, insane. It's so insane. And um, that was we risky. didn't know what time it was. Yeah. And But I think that's because I was delaying going to the hospital. I think I was nervous about going to the hospital right. and I was stalling and I was hungry and I ate the entire burger and all the fries. And we actually took a little iPhone video while we were in the drive-thru. Yeah. That is just such a beautiful story. I have to say, I think it's part of your youth. Part of it is your youth. Mm-hmm. How wonderful to have a child at your age in terms of a healthy How birth. Old were you when As you, had you get child? older, you know, it's just, it's more difficult. Yeah, I was 30 and yeah. it does get more difficult. And it was just, I've spent years now, I've been on this sort of quest to calm down because I'm a very anxious person. Oh, good, person. have a baby. That always works. Right. Well, that was kind of the final test. But a baby does ground you. I mean, it, and it yeah. super, super grounds so you. So it felt like a lot of the things that I did to figure out how to calm down um, were helpful in the delivery process and would be even if I had a C-section because again like that would have been okay with me like you I I think the big thing is be open to whatever happens like there's yeah. a lesson in everything and and yeah. I get man that I was so lucky and well, um, they ask you like what's your birth plan like what's your plan in an ideal world you know what what would to you not really poop in front of people but they never really worked they like always poop and really what you I'm sure you imagined happening is what happened no well, I think I didn't imagine September 11th I thought I would oh, I have see. all of my birthing class there was a, oh, so I many see. things I the that two weeks didn't early yeah. I, I didn't know how to and then push to, to have an orgasm with the workman downstairs. By the way, that was the exciting. orgasm thing. I know that. You know how I know that from an episode of Mad About You. Oh, oh, really? I get all Hilarious. my information about life from That's sitcoms, so good. from '90s sitcoms. But you know, yes. and and Adam had to say to me, "Look, you," because we had. I had been listening to these hypnobirthing tapes at night, trying to reprogram sort of my subconscious about it. And um, he said, because I got all wigged out, that she was early, that it was September 11th, that there was all these construction workers downstairs. I was like, this is not the plan, man. And he was like, you know what, Ellie? You have a choice right now. You can let all this wig you out. Yeah. Or you can focus on what. Well, the you baby's coming out, like you said. You're not the captain of the ship. No, you're the not the captain of the ship. making the choices. And I kept saying to myself, I had done this crazy uh, silent meditation retreat for a week, a uh, year or two before that. And and so I kept thinking, like, this is only a day. This is only a day. I mean, for some people, it's multiple days. But I, yeah. I was, I just kept thinking, like, okay, this is one day. And, you know, it's weird. But, and um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Like, having had a crazy bone dissolving tumor and learning how to walk again and stuff. Like I just, 
that toughened me up a little bit where I was like, okay, well, whatever happens, happens, man. Like, yeah. I'm not in control. I had learned that lesson at least. Yeah, that, no, like, hang I on, don't hang on. To... I don't think the audience knows about that. But Ellie Noss is a, you're a cancer survivor. Yeah. Well, I had sort of a, it's, it was it's a not cancer. Tum- like, it's like, that's what, it's a benign, it a benign tumor. tumor. It was a massive bone dissolving, potentially metastasizing one in a million tumor. That if it happened probably a decade before, they might have cut your leg off. They would have. They, they would absolutely would have amputated my leg. So you and went every- through this in what year? 2011. Oh yeah. 2011. So now the baby just came when? Uh, last year. 14. Thir- yeah. So so the experience that you had. 14? Two, 13. How, 2013. How old's the baby? A oh, a year and a half. Yeah. So the experience you had two years previous toughened you up oh, for, for, sure. for having this baby. Yeah. And it also made me, though, that's why the natural birth thing for me, it wasn't you know, a big part of it was just, I have to get MRIs and x-rays every six months. And I used to have to get it every three months and probably for the rest of my life to make sure this damn thing doesn't come back or metastasize. So I get nervous in hospital environments Mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, well, what can I do? They, they recommended bringing an eye mask. Like if you want to take a nap or something in the hospital, I guess. And I just ended up putting it on and wearing it for like eight hours. Yeah. I just, what, I'm sorry. What is an eye mask? You know, like the fuzzy eye mask you were on the plane. I just put it on. And so it's was just like a black out your eyes. I just was like, eyes. I didn't want to see okay, it. Okay. When you said mask, I'm thinking it's over your mouth or something. <laughs> yeah. No, it was yeah, my gag mask. There's a little zipper. Yeah. No, there was like gag. chloroform yeah. in the, okay, gag. I got it. Yeah. yeah. So now listen, were, so you would recommend to other women hypnobirth? You would recommend this? I, mean, I would. I would definitely recommend like checking it out. I would checking check anything out. Right. out. Like that's what you guys are saying is so true. Like people get super judgmental and it's super lame because I was lucky that my daughter came two weeks early. You know, we didn't have to induce. Like I was lucky that she was smaller. How much did she weigh? She was six pounds, nine ounces. Oh, that's so nice. That's she a nice healthy dainty. baby. And she was super healthy. And if she had come two weeks later when she was supposed to come, she would have been a lot bigger. So it would have been oh, harder. Wait, so where did the hypnosis, did you actually get hypnotized while you were in the tub? This is. I listened I'm... to, so I had taken two. Yanni? Yeah. <laughs> Inya? No. I listened to. No, no, no. That's how she got pregnant. Uh, oh, that exactly. Yanni. A <laughs> <laughs> pan um, flute. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I took. I was able to take two hypnobirthing classes from Alicia Tamburi, who was actually, we got her as a guest on our Atomic Moms podcast, which was super awesome. Um, I was able to take two of her four classes. I also listened to a thing called Rainbow Relaxation, which is a part of hypnobirthing where you, you know, it's a way of you sort of, of falling asleep. Yeah, unicorns. Like, oh, yeah. It's so hippie, yeah. hippie, you hippie out there. Kermit the Frog. It's ridiculous, but it would help me fall asleep. Well, that's great. And so it relaxed me. And I played the hypnobirthing tape like 700 times in the hospital. Because it was something to just keep going back to. I would just focus on that. So it's not what what stereotypically think of as hypnosis. It was more like a focus. I listened to um, Neil Young's Prairie Wind about 15 times (laughs) Mm -hmm. that day of my birth. Yeah, you do focus on one on one thing. But listen, was there a a part where you were going to say, okay, I need to have the epidural? Yes. You you, you said to yourself that that's an option if I have to Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually cut that out of my story because my story was going to be too long. But I wanted to, um, I should mention that while I was in the tub, my the other cool thing my doula did was she did not tell me how far along I was, um, which was beneficial for me 
So every time they would check me, they would just like raise their fingers to each other. Like I, I never knew how far along I was. Okay, I'm not trying to be gross. Yeah, it they sounds... check by looking or they check by touching. They stick things up Feeling. in you. Okay, that's what yeah. I figured. And I didn't. It was so great that I didn't know because I would have had expectations of like how much longer it would be. Mm. And I'm also someone where like if I go to a workout class and they say you know they count down and then you only have two left, I like puss out before the last two. Uh, like I, I'll quit right before the finish line. I see. So it was great not knowing. But I did say to her, I, if this baby's not coming soon, let me know because yeah. I will get an epidural. Yeah. But she was coming soon. But she was coming. Yeah. Well, it really worked out well. And it's nice to have such a blessing on 9-11. I mean, it's, you know, I kind know, of a neat thing cool. in the end. Yeah. Because now it won't be such a depressing day. You'll celebrate. So, Yeah. I have to figure out. You can out have how to like New it. York themes. I know. I'm We're going to do it. Well, I could really go dun, off on that. Dun, I've got some nah, good jokes. Nah, so it does nah, not feel nah. the Big Apple. Uh, we've come up apple with jokes. Yeah, we're going to, yeah. Go. Okay, so. Uh, I'm not even going to say them. Uh, Twin Towers cake. Oh, <laughs> yeah. See? By the way, Too why far. do you leave go the look tub at the planes? When you're having the baby, because like our friend Wendy, I think she had the baby in the tub. Why do you leave See, the tub? Cedars will not let you do that. Oh, I see. Oh, well, that's right. Oh, I didn't think. Yeah, you didn't have it in the water because the idea was, wasn't it going to drown? It's like, no, it's in liquid. Just oh, enters the world the into liquid bacteria or what? But Cedars was not up for that game. But the water did also help with the um, the feel, you know, um, with the pain. It was just a nice distraction. So, yeah. but it hurt. So, and, tell me about motherhood now. How's it going? Oh, it's so good. She's a year and a half. She's obsessed with her father. Um, kind of hurts my feelings. And it's it's. Have good. you have you, you made a lot of picture? Like, do you know what I went through? This will be once. I know. I nursed for a year, and all she does is like, you want dad, 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 dad. Really. Yeah. I nursed for three years. Oh, my God. Yeah. Three full years. And really, I thought she'll never stop. I thought judging she'll you, never judging, stop. Judging, judging, judging. How is I'm, that judging? I'm ju- no, I'm saying I'm I want to ask you, did you find a lot? Do <laughs> you have a lot of friends that are moms now? I do. Because when I had my baby, I didn't know any other mothers in Los Angeles. And when she was seven months old... I've told this story before, but I started the Moms Club in Los Feliz to gather moms together. Yeah. And it's still very successful. There's like 85 women in it. Uh So I was the president for two years. Oh, my gosh. I was a stay-at-home mom, yeah, for five years. And so um, I have found, like people told me, your mom friends are going to be your best friends. And I thought, you got to be kidding me. I don't even have any mom friends. And they said, you wait. Because it really does bond you to other women. Isn't it amazing? And other families, just in terms of how are you getting through it. It absolutely does. It's so specific. And when people don't have kids, I can see Hannes, you know, they just, it just flies right over them because how could, you can't possibly understand the response. (laughs) How horrible it is. Well, no, but like the gravity, the situation, the gravity of having a child. Yes. And somebody being that dependent on you. And you know, they eat every day, Ellie. I know. They multiple times a day. They're so needy. And so you have to go to the store like, all the time, even when my that's one of the reasons why I breastfed for so long because I, no, I it was easier than going to the store. It's so much yeah. easier. <laughs> no, it's true. You don't have to. But I'll tell you, it moves anything. so quickly. It moves so quickly. Now, do you think you guys will have another another kid? I think we will. Oh, that's nice. Um, we're not trying yet, but I would like to have a boy next so I can just call it a day. But I don't. <laughs> that's one of the things parents will do because there are couples, you know, that are in the midst of having more more than one kid because they're just out of nowhere. They'll be like, yeah 
that we're trying right now. It's like, I don't need to know your rate of intercourse. I don't <laughs> yeah. need to know that you are not, that you're riding bareback. Leave me out of all this information that you, <laughs> you know, just I know can't about my ovulation. You're like, yeah, I got to put my legs way up. I got to make sure <laughs> everything again, gets to the back of the cervix. It's like, please be out of this. We need each other. Women really need each other because these are conversations we oh, have yeah. to have. There's so many No, but I'm not talking about women having a conversation with each other. I'm talking about just in mixed company. In general, yeah. yeah couples will just be like their rate of yeah, doing we're it trying will be right like, now. yeah, yeah, because we're trying right now. Really? We were trying right before we came here. I don't believe you. Do you have any <laughs> pictures? And suddenly I'm thrown out of the group. <laughs> and so, and so, um, have you joined any mom's clubs or things like that? Yes, I did the pump station, which uh-huh. is like a great resource in LA. They have a few different ones around town. I used to do it on my way back and forth from auditions to Santa Monica to Hollywood. But that's a very short period because the pump station's like, like, it's this really high end place where mothers can go and drop a good amount of money on. So yeah, they do have a retail. What are you saying? They have their own machines? (laughs) No, they have a retail section. They have a retail section that I think that they, they'd say helps support the, the space because what's neat is that they have, if you are, are interested in nursing and you need help with that, they've got like a weekly group and I think it might be $10 and you get to sit there for two and a half hours and ask an expert questions. Like my baby's poop is bright green. Like, is there right. a problem with that? Right. So, and then, and then they have mommy and me groups there. We do have some great resources in terms of helping yeah. women. If you have to, you know, you're in traffic in LA and you got to nurse your baby, you know, the baby's in the car seat behind you. Right. And once again, you're the only one who's going to answer that call. And if you drive by a pump station, well, you can just pull over, yeah. take the baby in. They've got little recliners and boppies and you can nurse your yeah. baby. This with place sounds so hot. <laughs> it's, oh my it God. Was, it's it was, awesome. I met so many cool moms there. It's just a very, very short and period. Isn't it is. It? It's that first year, first year. that they do so the mommy did, and me groups. I, I, and I've talked to m- women who like will mention at some point that they miss their breastfeeding breasts because oh, they were bigger. They were so I've wonderful. Heard, yeah. yeah. I've heard, <laughs> They're it's like, I'm so such pain, the no, biting, I, but look at these. I hear that a lot yeah. in the back. I'm like, I'm not I turning around. I hesitate talking about this because I, t- I think I talk about my boobs every podcast that I do on Atomic Moms. So, like every time. <laughs> What's like, podcast gold? My, yeah. Well, I say that, you know, I nursed for a year because it was going to be summer and like I needed cleavage for summer. Like just <laughs> one summer of cleavage. Yeah. yeah and I got life. it. And then after that, I'm like back to I like, remember nothing. because I nursed for so long. I thought like, well, this is the way I'll always be. I'll always have yeah. these breasts. And that's not true. It, go, it does they go disappear. away. They it disappear, man. It's so depressing. <laughs> but at least I got my life back. Well, <laughs> Which is terrible. Like, I'm just thinking of all the mommy bloggers being like, ah, she said she got her life back after she stopped nursing. But it was it was nice once I when I did in like that I got, you know, because otherwise you're you just so on breaks. the clock. You get right. a break. Well, also, my hormones a... went back to normal. Like, that yeah. was right. exciting. The hormones are unbelievable. The, the, the shift in hormones. Ugh. You know what the thing is, Ellie, as I've discovered as a mom is um, – you know, it's cliche, but you got to spend as much time as you can when they're this little. And everybody mm-hmm. says, like, well, of course, but but really, really try to pay attention to it. Because once they hit school, and I don't mean, like, pretend school when they're two and three, because that's mm-hmm. not school. When they hit nursery school or kindergarten, four, five, six. Yeah. It really, they're they're not with you a lot of the time. It's very strange because there's this thing with you all the time. And then yeah. all of a sudden, they're not with you it's eight not- hours a day. And then yeah, it's it just so strange. It's really strange. I, and I didn't expect that first year uh, for her to change so much. Like, 
I thought she'd be a baby for a while. I don't I know. know what I was thinking. I, I guess I thought like babies were still to child so fast, so fast, which is silly because I've seen I, I live on this planet and I see that four year olds don't look like babies. But for some <laughs> reason, I thought mine would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would be no. Very I remember strange. with with, uh, with Christine's child. It's like you know, I, I was seeing her probably once a week, maybe. Maybe there were some times I weren't, but just, you know, and you know that at some point this baby will talk, mm-hmm. but I wasn't around, you know, I wasn't there the day that it happened. So it's like, and I, I think you didn't bother to tell me, not to bother to tell me you're busy, but it's like, nobody said, oh, by the way, she's talking now. Yeah. So I just walked in to say, I'm like, hi, baby. Yeah. Hi. That's, uh, what the fuck? You just like completely you, you didn't freaked realize out. She would talk. <laughs> no, no. I knew she would talk, but nobody had told me she started talking. That's, She'd well, been talking for like four days by the time I saw yeah. her talk. And I didn't was, know she would roll her eyes at me and say, "You're so rude, Mama. You're so rude." Oh, I knew that would happen. That's her new. It's going to happen more. Yeah, I guess so, boy. I'll tell you, it is interesting what comes out of their mouth. You just, you, where did it come from? Yeah. We're going to play some shotgun story worthy, if that's okay oh, with cool. you. Sounds good. Uh, but before that, tell us a little bit more about Atomic Moms in terms of some of the goals you guys have for the show. Okay, so my co-host and co-creator, Bianca Kylik, who you guys know from Rules of Engagement. Right. She was on that forever, and now she's on the NBC sitcom Undateable. um, Which is Undateable. I hear that the writer of Undateable is a fine human being who never wears a shirt. the creator of Undateable never wears a shirt when birthing. Um, He's my husband, the creator of the show. Dun, dun, dun. Um, And they start airing again in March. He, she plays Cristalia's sister. Sister, right, right. And um, and so we have this awesome podcast, Atomic Moms, and we celebrate the beauty and diversity of modern parenting. Um, and we share stories of experts like Dr. Drew. Uh, we had a celebrity trainer, Steve Zim. That's a really good episode. Um, and celebrity guests like uh, Eva Murray Martino and Teresa Palmer and Claire Coffey. And um, one of my favorite episodes is actually with uh, a writer, Hillary Stamm, and she had an eight-year IVF journey. So we talk a lot about, you know, things, you know, that other people aren't talking about. Different like, ways. You mean in different terms of ways, different ways of, of having babies. In different ways yeah. of having actually, babies. People are talking about it. People are talking about it a lot, actually. So? I mean, yeah, no, I mean, in terms of if, again, if you're pregnant or you're an early, you know, mom mm-hmm. in the early stages, yeah, there's there's choices out there. But it's it's nice to get this point of view. You guys are in L.A. Yeah, but, and I'm, I mean, we don't, we're going to also talk, like, but I don't think a ton of people are talking about IVF or the struggle of, like, how hard it is. Oh, I see. To have a baby. An intro, in intro, uh, in vitro in baby. vitro baby. Oh, I can imagine. Or or um, what the other options are out there. And um, when you talk to somebody who, who's thinking about an in vitro baby, do you ever say like, well, why not adopt? Yeah. And actually one of our upcoming guests um, is an adopted has mm-hmm. adopted her son. And yeah, I think that that's a great Just another option for sure. Um, and I, I know Bianca's mentioned that she's looking into potentially adopting in the future also. Oh, wow. Um, so we talk about all that crazy stuff. It's really fun and funny and um, we don't really know what we're doing. So we're commiserating. You're a perfect podcast team. Figuring then. it out. <laughs> and and yeah, like you guys were saying earlier, nothing has really changed. We're nobody's reinventing the wheel. Like we don't think things are different these days. Days. And there's no recipe to having a baby. There's no recipe to having a baby. There's no recipe to raising a baby. Oh, there's there's some good tips on raising a baby, I'll say that. <laughs> but, no, you know, are. you can take, pick and choose what you want. Basically, we're not, um, we don't have any crazy agenda other than we want to present to moms like a bunch of different viewpoints yeah. and pick and choose what you like. And um, 
And I don't, you know, there's no holier than thou. I said the other day, which is probably embarrassing, but I said, I don't want, um, I, I feel like I should get a participation award just for keeping her alive. So like, <laughs> well, you know, you a whole nother appreciation for mothers. Doesn't yeah. It? Yeah. Sure. Well, I've heard parents say that too. Like at the end of the day, they still alive. Awesome. Yeah, my, job yeah, my, job, my job is done here. Good. Good. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger, Schleisinger. I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.